So uh, joining me on this week's episode of the Rock and Roll Ghost podcast is uh, director uh, Ben David Grabinski. My apologies for mangling your last name. Uh, director, okay, all right. Writer, director of the new uh, film Happily, available in theaters and on video on demand right now. Uh, ben David, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, I always like talking about the movie, so and then I saw Godzilla versus Kong a second time today, so I can't complain about anything really. <laughs> yeah, so you must have liked it. Oh, I think it's great. <laughs> I had the best time. Yeah, I saw it last night and today, uh, and I'll probably watch cool. it way too many times. Uh, are you in the LA area then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that who's that on your shirt? Is that Kyle McLaughlin? Yeah, it's a Twin Peaks. Cooper. Yeah, cool. it's, his head's like chopped off though in the frame. <laughs> Not a problem. I just wasn't sure if it was that or somebody else. Um, well, let me first off state that I watched the film last night, and I gotta say, I was really, I was looking forward to it because what I saw about it seemed really interesting, and I liked the cast a lot. There are so many people in that cast that I have liked in so many other things, but the movie really bowled me over. I was. On, I, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what direction it was going to go in. I didn't know anything. I mean, I had no idea what was going to happen at all, which was, you know, genuinely a thrill. Because um, so many movies now, you can sit there and go, oh, well, this is going to happen, and then it does. Um, where did where did this idea come from, and how long did you work on the script to refine it to the point that it, it, it was uh, for the for making the film? Um, one, uh, that's a great reaction because mine, that's definitely my intention is that at no point can you really settle and feel like you know exactly what's going to happen next until, like, I just sort of wanted you to have that feeling until literally the post-credit sequence. Um, so uh, in, in that sense, I feel like maybe I... It was effective. <laughs> um, uh, the idea didn't come from like a super exciting place. It just came from a love of movies that felt like 90 minute Twilight Zone episodes and, uh, you know, dark romantic comedies that explore interpersonal relationships and marriage and friends. Um, and I wanted to mix those two things into one uh, motion picture. Um, I wrote the movie in six days, but I thought about it for like a year. Uh, yeah. It was just, I was thinking about it all the time. I'd write notes here and there. And I finally reached a point where I'm just like, I was so excited about writing it. And I really understood what it needed to be that I just couldn't stop writing. For the script is basically 98% the final movie. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, It's sort of like, I had figured out sort of the kind of like all like the major beats in terms of how I wanted the audience to feel and, and where I wanted things to turn um, in the movie. And then it just all kind of came together because I just wanted to feel like, you know, first you're like, okay, I know what this is. No, wait, I actually don't. Okay. I figured this out. Wait, no, I haven't. And just kind of keep feeling that way, but also, uh, in a way that was hopefully entertaining and funny and engaging, um, as opposed to being frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I can't control how everyone's going to react to it, but I think if you're the kind of person who likes movies that are, um, 
kind of bold or trying to do something new, you'd have a good time with this, unless you don't like my sense of humor. But uh, <laughs> but I'm you know I'm really happy that it turned out, and it's been really nice that some people have really responded to it. Yeah, yeah. The thing the thing I I think I really appreciate about it is the fact that you bring up a lot of things, but you don't necessarily resolve all of them. Um, you really have an excellent way of using shorthand to get through something like the you know just the the setup of everything you didn't need a lot of exposition um even how the ending is done with um the the couple confronting someone i'm trying to be as unspoiled yeah. as possible right now it's the way you just kind of shrug off the need to to understand why all of the what happened previously happened it is fantastic because it it's like it doesn't need to be explained. It's a matter of going through it. And I think that's where so many movies kind of get bogged down in is they, they bring up these fantastical ideas and then they need to have it make sense. And the thing is, the everything that happens in the movie has a motivation that I understand and that's implied, but I didn't want to have an info dump about it. You know, if you want to meet the movie halfway, there's enough there for you to kind of figure it out uh, because in since the release there's been several people who figured all everything out in the exact way that i intended more than i ever actually expected but at the same time the i if i was watching this as a viewer this is the version i'd want to see i'd like to be able to have it be something that like i watch again six months later and start to say oh i kind of feel like this is what's going on here and this and mm -hmm. you can kind of start to piece together but also I just want to give the viewer an opportunity to kind of fill in the blanks on their own. You know, someone's going to interpret the movie in a way that I never intended that might even be better than what I think is actually happening. Right. But also just that scene too. It's like, I think that character doesn't care about intention at that moment. She's too, right. because to her, she's more upset about the result, you know? Right. Uh, right. To be as vague as I can. Yeah. 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 I, I get that. Um, and, you know, because one of my favorite films, and it's interesting you're wearing a Twin Peaks shirt, is uh, David Lynch's Lost Highway. Great movie. Great movie. There's, no, there's no making sense of what happens in it, but that's not the point of the film. It's a surrealist nightmare. It's just... Yeah, and, but it's know. also the the emotion like i could talk about lost highway for way too long in fact yeah me my too. Whole team is um from david lynch's movies and his show uh lost highway like it's more about the guilt of what bill pullman's character did than right. like a literal thing like i mm -hmm. you know it took me like a decade to really feel like the whole movie is like about a guy who's feeling impotent and angry and alone and he does a really terrible thing and he can't deal with it so he kind of imagines the rest of the movie as a way to kind of avoid the his like culpability but then even but real life starts to like seep into that thing but that doesn't mean that's what lynch's intention was like you right. know it's like right i love that i can sort of I love that he'll never explain it. Like it would ruin. It right. was disappointing if he'd come out and say, 
oh, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the closest right. thing he ever got to making it clear was saying that he got the idea while watching the O.J. Simpson trial. And what I think that means is he was thinking about what the mental state would have to be to have someone do something that terrible to their wife, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's pretty dark. But that movie, to me, it's like all mood. It's great saxophone playing. It's yeah. uh, beautiful locations. It's like, I love that movie so much. I mean, it's, and the ending is incredible. The music is great. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just that there's a certain style of movie and Lost Highways one. Uh, your movie's one. Another movie that I recently loved that I didn't know anything about going into it, and I was bowled over by was Mandy with Nicolas Cage. Mandy's my favorite movie of the decade. I love it, that movie so much. Boy, me and you sound like two peas in a pod because yeah, that's <laughs> that's I don't I for and I I will get back to happily. I apologize, but I just that's fine. I like to I like talking about. I it. love I love being completely bowled over by something. And, you know, your film and, and, and Mandy are two of the very few films I sincerely, the experience is going to sit with me probably forever. And, I, and as a, a guy in, in nearing 50 and who has been a film obsessive since I was a kid, I didn't think I was going to see any, I wasn't going to see films like that anymore. You know, I, I thought that my time for being surprised and bowled over by films ended years ago. You know what I mean? I, just because this current status of, 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 of film, I can't believe I said status, status of films, you know, it's like, it's mostly product and I don't mind product. I mean, I love Godzilla versus Kong, but also Mandy was my favorite movie of the decade and yeah. I can't believe it exists, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's the thing to me that was exciting about this is I thought, well, if I never get to make another movie, I wanted to make a movie that it felt like no one else would make. And I don't even mean it's like in terms of quality, I just felt like, mm -hmm. I just felt like Happily is, <laughs> for whatever it's worth, I don't think anyone else would have written and directed this movie or, or told this story in this way. It's very mm -hmm. gut-oriented. And Mandy is such a incredible, unique vision that is like straight from his brain. That movie is like... I saw it uh, at the Egyptian when they did like their first screening um, and it was so loud and so big and it felt just, it like transcended like normal film for me. It just felt like an experience, you know? It's just like you're yeah. sort of absorbing the movie and you're just going on the ride that it uh, does. Yeah. But it's also really moving and funny and exciting and scary as fuck and so beautifully made um yeah. it's like it's just to me like my favorite movies of the decade were that and fury road and mm. uh but mandy was like you know i don't know why well, we'll never see anything else like that again and it's just so I, yeah. beyond the black rainbow like yeah yeah it's a great movie yeah well and, and the experience i had with, with your film is that there was just so much of it that felt so assured, like you had been doing, you had been directing films for years. Um, I mean, the slow motion dancing, uh, it's just shots of the, the gate going back and forth. Like you just, you kept getting different perspectives. I mean, I, I, it's rare to see somebody that, that are sh making that assured of a debut um, in terms of a film, you know? Uh 
all, all I know is that I got to make exactly what I wanted to make. And I really was just trying to follow my gut on all those things. Yeah. But I also, though, I'm just such a big movie fan and the language of movies is something that like really excites me. And I have thought way too much about, um, but it's like, you know, when you're like talking about the slow motion dancing scene, it's some of it just comes from the excitement as a movie fan of like, I really want to do a split diopter shot. Oh, I can use it for this dancing scene and I can use this to convey the passage of time and use this song and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right. you get to, there's real kind of, I was hoping that my excitement about the making of it would sort of be a little palpable in the experience if you're the kind of person who likes weird movies you know yeah um since you know it's never going to be for everybody but that's also why we didn't i didn't make it for a ton of money it's like everyone who's on it was just down to make this weird thing i wanted to make which was like a very fortunate experience because all the actors sort of felt like uh well he knows what he wants to make and he's excited about it and we're kind of sick of making all the same things so let's go on an adventure um yeah. and that really was helpful for me because otherwise it would have been impossible to do yeah how did how did you get from writing you know working it out for a year writing the script to then getting it to the point where you started getting people that could start moving towards uh producing it and and, and getting fun it took i finished writing the script may 2016 and then i shot it um february 2019 so it was uh, a long time of just being really stubborn and trying to get people to say yes and not caring if a thousand people say no um and uh you know just getting people to read it and just trying to find people who liked it as did um and what ends up happening is like you just start to accrue kind of a team of people who are equally passionate about it. Um, in hindsight, the thing I think I just realized is some people just get sick of reading the same scripts all the time. So if they get something that feels fresh and different, um, that makes them excited because it feels like so much of the things that they get are just the same thing over and over again. So I didn't, that wasn't my intention. I wasn't like, Oh, well, if I write a really weird script, it'll make it stick out from the pile of scripts that people were reading to consider doing. Um, mm. but that's what ended up happening. But on the other hand, there'd be people who really liked it. They wanted me to make changes, which I didn't want to do because, it's not that I can't take notes, uh, you know, I, I've taken a bunch of notes on everything else I've written, but for this, I just felt like it's not, the movie is what it is. And if you try to push it another direction, it becomes something else. So, right. uh, you know, like things changed and, you know, if anyone gave me a great idea, I would use it, but I, I kept trying to follow kind of the North star of my own weird approach to the movie. Uh, and, you know, it's like, because the weirdest thing about this movie, not, not the weirdest, it's just like, the movie is the accumulation of everything of it. It's like how the movie looks, who I cast, how it's edited, the score, the locations, the music, costumes, all those things kind of add up into one weird movie. So you kind of just have to keep your eye on the ball if you know what you want to do. Um, but it's like the, the bigger the budget, the less weird a movie can be. Um, and that was something that was exciting to me because like a lot of the indie movies that I loved like in the 90s or, or growing up inspired me 
didn't feel cookie cutter. And a lot of indie movies now feel like you're trying to make a studio movie without the money. And that to me is not interesting. It, it just feels like you're going to end up making something that doesn't feel like it has production value that is also really down the middle. Um, you know, I, I knew I was making a movie that some people would really like and some people wouldn't. So it, it <laughs> there's been some very funny reactions of like, uh, people writing reviews calling me an asshole or, or people uh, saying it's a lazy movie, which is a really funny thing about a spending, yeah. you know, four years making a movie. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's definitely came from a place of laziness. You're, you're totally right. But it's yeah. been really nice because it's like people like you who um, like being surprised and like something that can kind of shake them a little, uh, have responded to it and that's i really appreciate that but at the end of the yeah. day i was trying to make something that i would love um yeah so well um what was the um what was the what was the uh final shooting schedule like how many days did you end up shooting uh it was a 20-day shoot which is very difficult um mm -hmm. especially with scheduling 11 actors um yeah we shot for 20 days and february 2019 for very little money i don't think i'm supposed to say how much but it's like that's fine you know it's like the third of like a blumhouse horror movie or something we shot in la um and uh it was supposed to go to tribeca um last spring but it got because it got canceled from covid the movie was just sort of sitting there while we were waiting to see what would happen with this plague and eventually last fall we just decided okay, well, we should just take this out to people um, to try to get distribution um, because uh, like, w we could wait forever until like something was back. And um, it's a bummer because I've never seen it with an audience, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is like, I got to make what I want to make and it just exists and it's out there and you yeah. know, people can rent or watch it now. I mean, I'd love to have seen it in a big theater with an audience, uh, but at least the movie that's out there has no it's not compromised, I guess. Yeah. Well, what, what the thing I love about it too is that is is kind of odd, you know. And I use that word in the nicest way possible. As odd and, and kind of uh, eerie and, and intense as it can be at times, it's also incredibly funny. And uh, it, it, the humor comes at at such interesting points. And it's it's the weirdest thing that the the movie that and I'm not saying it reminds me of this, but the closest I can compare it to is this movie I saw years ago on cable um, that I've never seen since because it's one of those movies that I don't think I could ever replicate how much I enjoyed it. But it's called April Fool's Day, oddly enough, considering the day we're talking. It's oh, I've seen that. Yeah, people hanging out in a lake house, and then it turns into like a, a slasher film. You know, I saw I saw a trailer for that once at Newbev, um, and there's like a Scream Factory Blu-ray of it. I almost bought, but I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting film. It just it's as far as like a tone thing, you know, a dichotomy of humor and and something else. It's it's probably the best uh, example. And it's it's just, again, it's one of these films that just it's um, just a, an interesting outlier for um you know for film because you know there aren't many people that can kind of handle these things and, and i think it's fascinating um again that this was your first full film you know your your film debut you know as, as a as a director so i think that's that's great 
Um, yeah, I naively, I guess, wasn't worried about mixing tones and genres. That was just exciting to me. Um, yeah. Because I feel like there aren't like a ton of American movies that have this kind of approach. It's usually like a South Korean movie or a French movie or something where like you're watching this amazing movie with like subtitles that uh, you don't know anything about and they can put, you know, comedy next to drama, next to horror, next to tragedy, next to satire. Um, and I think just a lot of movies really inspired me that made choices like that. And it just sort of, I guess I was just always driven by the fact that I didn't want to make something that felt chicken shit. Um, yeah. And it could have blown up in my face, <laughs> but I always sort of, I felt, I, I guess it's because my collaborators and the people who produced it trusted me. It gave me kind of the confidence to be kind of laser specific on this stuff mm -hmm. because there's gags in it that I think other people would end with something really scary. But then in my movie, just like there's a bunch of pizza in the back of a car. Yeah. Uh, like that's <laughs> or, or doing a jump scare. That's not a scare. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, the one thing that's been really interesting is a lot of people have called it a horror movie and horror is my favorite genre. And I use a lot of horror, um, kind of uh devices uh and like it's it's like very moody and it should be unsettling on your first viewing but it never occurred to me that horror fans or any horror fans would embrace it it's not like it's you know i'm, I'm saying maybe it's like five or six people but some people just called it like a horror movie and i'm i don't no one's wrong because you can't put this movie in a one genre but that right. surprised me but in a good way yeah 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 it doesn't have the the typical horror tropes a horror film would have but there is a, a horror aspect of it like i can i like i i classify something like the terminator as a horror film in my opinion because it, well the terminator is a repackaged. i mean the terminator is a slasher movie repackaged as a sci-fi movie yeah at its core it's like he's jason but yeah. it's you know he's jason put like pushed through starlog magazine it's not the but it's like but it's interesting that's like the, that's also why i just wish someone like james cameron i'd love i wish every great director made one just straight horror movie that like mm -hmm. they just embrace that they're making that thing because it's the most freeing genre because it's less narrative based and it like leans so much into formalism um yeah. but yeah terminator does it's like an action horror movie but it, it does that great trick where audiences don't notice that they're watching such a genre mashup. They're just so engaged that they just go along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. He's so good at having you connect to it emotionally. Cause like all that matters with Terminator is like the love story of Kyle Reese uh, and Sarah Connor. You're, when you're, when you're, when he says, I traveled through time for you, you're not thinking, Oh, this is a time travel movie or this is a horror movie or this is whatever. It's just like deeply romantic. Like he has such a good way of having these like distilled, emotional things his ideas which sometimes people will be like oh whatever like avatar it's like what's really the plot to that but you know you feel emotion like whether you're conscious of it or not you feel like you're with that lead guy who is going there and then he becomes the thing and you're like going on that adventure like when you're watching yeah. terminator you feel like you're sarah connor just because it's such a visceral movie and she's on the run and you don't want her to die i don't even know what i'm talking about what am i talking about 
No, I know what you're saying. Um, with regards to casting, I mean, did, well, first of all, before I get into casting, you you probably purposefully kept your character uh, numbers down for budgetary reasons, I would imagine, and for location reasons. I, I would assume you wanted something kind of lean and tight, you know, that, that wasn't going to be too... You, you knew that you were going to only get a certain amount of money, I would figure, for the film you wanted to make. So you yeah, and, focused yeah, on that. So it was really about getting the exact right amount of things I need and not more. It's like, to me, I felt like the story worked best with five couples. Uh, I thought four wasn't enough. Six would be too much. So it's like, you really, it's half, like anything you're doing, it's half creative, half planning. You know, like, you know, if you're, making a painting you still have a limited supply of colors you can buy or like a limited amount of time you can paint or whatever mm -hmm. like there's always going to be constraints you just want to make sure that you're still just trying to make the most creative decisions you can other because it's compromises to me are only if you abandon like your kind of intent your creative intention as opposed to i don't know even know what i'm saying the, po the point is it's just like <laughs> There is a reality. It's like the sun does set. You do run out of money. There are limitations, but I was really hoping I'd make a movie that never felt cheap. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, there was there. It definitely feels the look of it, the design of it, the flow, the setups. You know, the whole thing feels like I said again. It's the one word I keep coming back to. It's assured. You know, it's a it's a very very assured film. Uh, and the cast is again extraordinary. I just, you know, I'm sure in in certain cases there were probably people that you were looking to get, maybe you couldn't get. But I think with even with maybe wanting someone else, I think you settled on a cast. I, I hate to use the word settled. I'm, I apologize, but you you ended up with a cast that I think was more than equipped uh, to excel. In, in each of their roles. Yeah, it, for me, the, the casting of it was one of the most fun parts because I took a very pragmatic approach to it, which was just like, okay, who are the actors who are available in this time period? How do I feel about them as performers? Uh, and let's see what they think of the script. And what happens is um, if someone really liked the script, even if the character was different from something they played before, it meant that they were kind of down to figure it out. Because, like, for yeah. me, I was trying to also cast some people against type because Joel usually plays an asshole, and he's a really, like, kind person in this. And yeah. Harry never really plays someone who's, like, funny, and that was exciting to me. And it, it it's, like, the interesting thing about it is, like, again, it's, like, gut-oriented. It's, like, okay, if you send a script to Paul Shear and he really likes it and you have a conversation and he seems like he gets it, then you're like, all right, yeah, great. He'll leave out. Like it, it's sort of one of those things where, um, but I was also just really big fan of all these people and I'd seen yeah. all of their work. So, you know, I could, I had a pretty good level of confidence about their ability to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like super, super happy with the cast. It feels pretty fresh and it doesn't, uh, it's like a, I think it's like a really, like you have to look at it as sort of the combination of people. Like, you know, you can't cast a couple without thinking of who 
like how well they be together. But then you also have to think about how the different couples bounce against each other and just make sure right. that it feels like an interesting, varied group of people uh, instead of just everyone having the same kind of look and feel and attitude and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, there the the two for me, the two people I was not so much well surprised by, I guess, would be the 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 word or the term. But I just w wasn't as sure of them in having. I haven't seen them in many other things. Would be uh, Natalie Morales and and Al Madrigal, who I thought were both hysterical, hysterical and so interesting to watch. I mean, Al, Al the way the way he says the line about having a microscope is, you know, it, it, it might be one of my favorite line readings of the, of the last you know several years. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect line reading, and then it's also, I had a really great editor, and we kind of created this, there's like this gap between the question and the answer that yeah. makes the delivery like even funnier. There, there's yeah. so many, um, so much stuff is like the combination of actors doing a really great job and then getting the timing just right in terms of the edit. Yeah. And uh, I do, that's a, there's a couple jokes in the movie that is as stupid as it sounds always make me laugh and it's my own movie, but I, I love Al's delivery and I love that he's wearing a Cronenberg for president shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's great too. And you know, there's just so many little things in there. Like when one couple, it's just a quick shot, but one couple, you know, with what, with one of the people saying, you know, you don't think they suspect us, do you? And they're like, that's all there is pretty much to the scene. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. It's like all these little tiny things in there. It's like you don't know who has done something, if somebody's done something, you know what they're hiding, all that, uh, all that stuff. And it, it's, it's. I, I can't say enough for people that are watching this. It, it's the movie's actually a real joy, just to watch, um, because it's so fascinating. And it, and and by the way. Kudos on on the interesting use of '80s music too. Yeah, There's a lot of cool oddball tunes. Um, I especially like the uh, Public Image Limited uh, selection. Uh, yeah, I love that song so much. And when I tried that in the edit and it worked, I really went home happy that day. Yeah, yeah. I remember very vividly being like, "Hey, let's try this song," and it just worked so well over that like montage of like the rest of the couples arriving and it has so much mood to it uh it's just a good fucking song yeah um i remember i've heard that film i've heard it song in another film but it's been so long yeah it was in hardware um yeah, in, in yeah hardware, hardware. over a shower sex scene as well so yeah that's a pretty weird specific joke i'm making for like no people <laughs> but, uh it, you know it, it just it worked well the i ended up getting into this sort of motif of using songs that were in soundtracks for 80s movies which yeah all the songs are except for one um and it it's almost sort of like a creative exercise to try to repurpose a song in a way that doesn't feel like you're being lazy because I hate when people use songs that were like perfectly used in other movies. But I think the, it's like the difference between the saxophone, uh, uh, beach scene in lost boys. And then my use of that song in the beginning, there's, they couldn't right. be any difference, but yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's like that again, it's sort of like 
you just a lot of that is just trying things it's like i when i was writing it i thought of like most of the songs and then when i got into the edit uh two or three of them just weren't working uh and then i tried other things but a lot of the songs were exactly what i was winning when i was writing it on the page but it's like with anything it's like if you think something's gonna work and then it doesn't you got to do something else there's a lot of stuff in the movie that is completely different than it was scripted and you just have to on the day be like very cognizant of if something's working or not like there's one of my favorite moments is charlene Yee stepping out of the shadows and surprising carrie before they go to the grocery store uh and that wasn't in the script <laughs> so it's like i don't have really like any there's like only like two improvised lines in the movie but there's a lot of stuff in the movie that came from me on the day feeling like I could do better or like once I saw a scene up on its feet, I felt like maybe it wasn't funny enough or maybe it was too funny for how dramatic I wanted people to feel at the moment. And you kind of just have to feel your way through it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, what was there something else I was going to ask you? And I apologize. It kind of, it kind of fell on my head. I mean, I said um, a bunch of shit that's distracting. No, 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 no. It's probably me. I, you know, it's getting late, getting late here. So, it's like, you know, I've already, I've done my regular job for the day and I've also interviewed someone else. So I'm starting the old, uh, little soft in the brain. Um, but what, what do you see uh, going forward for yourself? Have you gotten any kind of interest from, you know, uh, producers, studios or anything so far? Cause I well, I look, there's a lot of things that I would like to do if someone like knocked on my door and said, Hey, do you want to, would you be interested in making a movie of this or whatever? But at the moment I'm focused on this thing that I finished writing in February that I want to direct next that I'm hoping to see. Uh, I'm feeling a little optimistic about because so far people really, um, cause it, it, it's the same kind it feels like happily, but it's a big action comedy. Um, so it is a little bit more, um, digestible for regular people <laughs> but, it, but at the same time i'm never going to make anything that's like super normal it's right. like it's just, I, don't, I, I don't really know if i know how although like are you right. afraid of the dark is pretty mainstream like it's but it's also weird but whatever yeah uh so that's what you were work, kind of working on in during the last year is this is this script uh yeah i that's it's basically the only thing i've been working on um and it has a there's some genre elements to it that are pretty intricate um, that required a lot of TLC, but it's my favorite thing I've written and um, we'll see what happens, but we're, you know, we're putting that together now. Cool. Cool. Um, what, what has the last year been like for you just as personally, um, how, how have you dealt with it? Um, you know, and, and what, what about your life has been different maybe from normal besides, you know, not being able to go out to movies and, and stuff like that? I mean, I mean, it, it was harder for me specifically in a way that's like, I mean, it, you could say it's like high class problems, but it's like this movie I spent so much time on. And then the same day I found out Tribeca was canceled on March 13th last year. And then I also found out that this TV show I was making in New Orleans got shut down because of COVID and then it got killed. So I went from making this movie and a TV show and working on a bunch of things to just sitting in an apartment with my cat. And, uh, you know, 
it, it was very hard for a long time to write during all of this because I didn't know if my movie was ever going to come out. I didn't know what's going to happen with other things. And uh, I also have diabetes, so, like, I'm immune compromised. So, like, I have to be very safe. Like, if yeah. I can, like, be risky. So this year has been a lot of me playing video games and watching movies. And I finally you know in the last several months have been able to be creative again and uh i feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel but it was just really weird seeing a movie in theaters two days in a row i don't know how i went 13 months without seeing like i when i'm not in production i probably go to the theater like four days a week i'll go to repertory yeah. screenings i see everything and i really miss that um yeah because it's like it's definitely like a thing that refreshes me creatively. Like I get a lot from enjoying other people's work and I get inspired by other movies and the theatrical experience also just, it all kind of resets me because you remember like how great that experience is, like how great it is to see something with a crowd. Yeah. And uh, I hope movie theaters come back in some sort of regular f thing eventually, because I don't know if I could go another 13 months without seeing a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will admit that the last thing I really watched in the last year has been current movies that have been released streaming-wise. There are very few, and there, there are big movies. Like, I have HBO Max. I didn't watch uh, the Denzel Washington movie, The Little Things, and I don't know why. It was right there. I missed uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, even though it was right there, you know, and I kind of with with Godzilla. I really want to want to go see it in the theater, despite having it at home on my TV. Because the last movie I saw was Birds of Prey, you know, in February of last year. So it's like that know. was one of the last things that I saw too. It's, I mean, look, I've watched 190 movies in 2021 so far. So I'm a crazy yeah. person. But, <laughs> no, no, yeah, but you know, so if anyone ever, wants yeah, I would normally be like that. But I, I for some reason, I didn't watch movies and i i don't know why maybe i was disheartened because i couldn't see it in the theater i don't know what the i've been most of the, most of the stuff i've been watching is older stuff yeah a lot of there's been a lot of times during covid where revisiting a movie has been a lot easier rewarding than watching something new and i don't know psychologically what that's about but i do yeah. think there is um it's sort of an easier thing to digest, but then also watching a new movie at home can be a bummer because you're like, oh, this would have been fun to see with a crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the part. Because I mean, I've certainly watched my share of movies I've seen a million times before. I mean, I bought like the uh, newest Apocalypse Now, you know, Blu-rays and, you know, I bought a bunch of other stuff that, um, you know, but there are movies I've seen a dozen, dozens of times before, you know, I but new stuff has been very hit and miss you know like i you know last year i didn't really see i i don't even think i saw a dozen 2020 releases quite frankly last year you know it's just it was kind of like a lost yeah, i mean i yeah <laughs> look i think in general whether we're talking about being creative or watching things i think everyone you can't really be that hard on yourself because this is just the fact that, like, I think if anyone survived the last year, they should get a cookie because it's so <laughs> and so abnormal. You know, I didn't watch the little things at home because those kind of movies to me are like my like a perfect matinee movie. Like that's a Saturday matinee thing. I'll go get some popcorn, watch that, and it doesn't even need to be great. But watching it at home, you're just sort of like, it's there. Uh, 
Yeah. It's like just a different. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, oh, I'd rather just rewatch like the another serial killer or like watch the Pelican Brief than watch one of those things. And I can't really explain why. Um, no, I, I, I and I, for the same reason, I don't understand why either. I, there was just there was just something. Um, you know, in LA, you guys have a real like a real awesome theater for when it comes it does come back and that's new, the new beverly um yeah it's like the, one of the greatest places in the world <laughs> how i i don't even i i you know like i it's one of those theaters i want to go to la just to go to the theater quite frankly we have the music box here which is sort of similar in a way because it shows older releases yeah, it's similar. Yeah, I've been there. yeah it does a lot of 70 millimeter stuff and, and things like that but it just the new Beverly is just so interesting because of what Quentin and his team have been able to put together. Well, I mean, I used to go there all the time before that even happened. And I yeah. remember um, very vividly out of nowhere, I was at a bar maybe 10 years ago or something. And there was a rumor because it basically it was getting really expensive to run the new Bev. And everyone was sort of worried that it might close and then no one seemed worried anymore. And there was a rumor that Quentin had been secretly paying their rent. And uh, I was at a bar and like Quentin was there and I was talking to some friends and I thought, and this is like way before I'd like made anything. And I was like, I got to ask him. So like I walked up and I was like, hey, is there any truth to the rumor that you're like just paying out of pocket to keep the new Bev open? And he's like, yeah, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> and I was like, that is amazing. And then eventually at some point after like Michael passed, the guy who had run the theater forever, um, Michael yeah. and then his son works there, uh, Quentin started doing the programming and just he publicly announced that he was doing it. Um, but for there was a long span where like nobody knew that he was the guy keeping the lights on, which I thought yeah. was like, I just think that was like a real, it's still like he's still keeping on right now and like no one's there. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I just think that's a really cool way to spend your fuck you money when you yeah. uh, are a big success. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, um, I, I have this little dream. If I ever win like the lottery, there's a couple of places in the Chicago area that I would just go in and revitalize and just play like whatever oddball shit I wanted to play, you know. Well, so much of capitalism is just like, well, how profitable can a thing be? And there's something so great about someone who's just like, no, it's just like, how, how cool can this be? And, but it requires having that kind of money to get away with that. Cause like, sure, I, sure. I'm sure if he was like very financially conscious, someone would be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I just looked at your portfolio. You should just put money into stocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 I think there'd be worse things to put your money into uh, restaurants and investing your own money in your own films would probably not be a wise idea. <laughs> you know, things like that. I did that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> everything. I, I just talked to Jonathan Ta uh, Taplin today who did mean streets uh, for says And he says that was the one thing that I never did after that. When he produced a bunch of other films, he said, I had no idea you weren't supposed to put your own money in <laughs> into things, but I, he goes, it, it, it lucked out. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, I just, I spent so long trying to get a movie made and I had just decided that, uh, you know, if it meant I have to like live in an apartment forever, that's fine. You know, it, it's yeah. like, it just, it, it felt, you know, cause like I knew Guillermo did it on like his first few movies and I found that really inspiring. And it's like, 
look, if I never get to make another movie, I this thing exists, and I'm glad that I didn't really compromise on any of that. So yeah, yeah. Um, what are you most looking forward to now that we're getting out of? We're being. Have you gotten your shots at all yet? Uh, yeah, I am vaccinated, and it is absolutely surreal that I'm not feeling have a panic attack when i'm within 10 feet of somebody right, <laughs> so right. it's like you know watching a movie like just sitting them watching the movie today not being worried about it. i mean i was wearing a mask and i was like 20 feet away from anybody else but right god it was nice to not be stressed about that yeah what are you looking forward to when th things start opening up a little bit more well uh I, we haven't mentioned this thing yet but it's called the new bev and i would love for it like <laughs> it, to me it's like the new Bev and the Arrow and the Alamo Draft House here opening, um, being able to go to, to being able to feel safe going to like some restaurants I really like. Um, I'm a very simple person. Having a, a like a good burrito and going to see a movie is like a great night for me, and I haven't been able to do either. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Those things, but also just to me, it's like to being able to get production going because like production's a little scattered now and it's way more expensive because of covid so yeah. it'd be really nice to have it be a little less cost prohibitive because so, everything is going so much slower and there's so many precautions you have to take that i think it just makes things it just makes things more difficult it'd be really nice to have things be less difficult in our personal lives and our professional you know yeah um are there plans for the film to come out on Blu-ray, et cetera? I mean, it comes out on DVD in May. I'm hoping it'll come out on a Blu-ray. As of right now, that is up in the air. Um, really? Yeah, hmm. that that's a whole thing. But the iTunes version, uh, purchase version, has my audio commentary. Um, okay. And it looks and sounds great. But I'm a big physical media guy, so I'm hoping I'll get a Blu-ray at some point. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I'm very excited at having, you know, seen the film. Uh, the film is Happily. It stars Joel McHale, Carrie Bish, uh, and so many other people that you've recognized. Paul Shearer, Natalie Z. Um, yeah, I may be pronounced. Is it Z or Zia? It's Z. Z. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, and, and just, you know, so many damn people in there. Breck and Meyer. Uh, who is looks like a damn stud? I mean, forget forget him though. Joe McHale is, is bound for a Marvel action film at some point, right? I mean, that body. I, mean, I can't I can't speak for any of that. He uh, definitely uh, is a very uh, well sculpted man. Um, yeah, but I do think Brecken 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 looks so cool that a lot of people didn't even know it's him. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew he was in the movie, and I didn't recognize it was him until like three scenes in. Which no, is, I love that. That's hilarious. Like he he grew his beard just for the movie, and I thought it was such a good choice. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, you know, I really wanted to be a wild card character, so you didn't expect some really uh, dramatic things that you find out later. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, happily is on uh, in some theaters. It's on video on demand, and it's on Apple to purchase, correct, for $13, $12.99? Yeah, like, it's like $12.99 or something to purchase, six to rent um, on iTunes, and it's but it's available everywhere to rent if you want. If you want to hear my audio commentary, it's only on iTunes, but it will be yeah. on the DVD that comes out in May. Cool, very cool. Well, Ben David, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a, a real pleasure speaking with you. I wish you all the best luck, stay healthy, and hopefully we can talk on the next thing. 
Hey, man, happily five. That's when we'll have a good podcast. Nice. Nice. All right, man. Take care, All right man. you have a good one. All right, bye. Bye.